0: This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio.
1: Well, we got a nice stretch of games at home, so this has been a, a very good place for us to play over the years, so let's let's string together some, some wins here. We need to put some points in, in the bank. I thought the last couple games, you know, as the players and coaches said, uh, the effort was there. Um, now when you to start seeing the results. So Yeah,
0: I mean, a big body. Uh, I'm just trying to use my body on low when I can. You know, I'm not trying to chase hits and pull myself out of position. Because uh, in the system, you know, the center does a lot of work where he's always uh, going side to side. And if I'm uh, throwing my body around, I'm a little late, which gives a little more opportunity. But definitely on the forecheck and, and when I can use my body to separate puck, uh, it's definitely something I want to do. Yeah, actually, I didn't realize you're so, you know, you look at like a game or two ahead and, and you know, you're right in the moment with your team and... We're going to be here through Halloween, so um, it's imperative that we we start getting some points here. Um, You know, disappointed we only came away with one on that trip, Um, and we but we've been pretty good at home in the past. Uh, We just can't say oh, just because we're at home that we're going to get points. We've got some good teams coming in here, Um, but it's it'll be good to. You know, not bounce around different cities and get a little semblance to our game here.
1: Stammer Paul Coop? Mm Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. I think I nailed it. I nailed it on a Thursday. You know, it's always good to be home. And when I say home, the Lightning playing at home rather than be on the road. I know my partner, Dave Mishkin, appreciates that as well. Yesterday
0: was a grind for me. Not for the players. The player's schedule is, are we practicing, are we playing, or is it a day off? It was a day off yesterday. But, you know, when when you're my age and you, you don't have get a day family responsibilities, I mean, some of the players have family responsibilities. The dads with young kids didn't get a day off, probably. I was up pretty early. You know what I had yesterday morning? Tell me. Allergy shots
1: for the dogs. Ooh, what time was that? Uh, probably early, right? 9.30-ish. 9.30-ish. Yeah. Okay. 9 30 is that a tough experience they
0: don't the really dog? care <laughs>
1: they don't mean... really care so they don't you know kids with shots
0: they're yeah like, well they just know that they're in the doctor's office right gotcha. so it's it's partially like i'm at the doctor's office they know from their nose right what did i read once we're going way off topic here but who cares it's our show right <laughs> I I I believe this is correct that the dog's sense of smell is a hundred times more powerful than the human sense of smell. Someone's gonna correct me if I got that wrong. But the nose to the dog is like our eyes. Right? Like our vision is probably our the sense we rely on the most and people who can't see. You know, certainly have to really elevate their other senses, right? For the dogs, it's the nose. They smell when they're in the doctor's office. So there's that. But they also see other animals there, which gets them excited. At least my my dogs get kind of interested when other dogs are around. I didn't go back for the shots, though. The The vet tech came out, took one, shot, brought her back out, took the other one, shot, brought her back out, hold Do they get treats? No. They don't
1: get <laughs> treats? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people do? I'm they got like, treats, you know. Come I'm,
0: on. I'm a hardline dad, I guess. You're no, they get treats. I didn't give them treats though when I got home. You know what happened when we got home? I had to get ready Tell for me. the show with you. I know. I'm sorry. I love doing the show with you, but <laughs> the dogs were, I think, just happy like we're home. The doctor's visit is over.
1: I know. Just hang out. Do they just hang out with you like when you're gone for a while, do they? they hang out you.
0: they hang out even if i'm not gone for a while you know my wife Dulcie works from home yeah so they're they're often back with her gotcha all right yeah you know a little a little behind the curtain
1: yeah no that's good everybody look everybody's got Activity. a life outside of this for an hour so it's yes. always interesting to kind of <laughs> we will
0: talk hockey i promise we but will. yesterday I... yesterday by by like 9:30 i was like this has been a short turnaround for me in a long day. So I feel I feel refreshed today. I feel ready uh, to go.
1: No, you sound great. And yeah. I'm curious, you know, because you've been around enough watching the players from your position. When do you think the travel really adds up for them? You know, in terms of just the daily grind, is it, yeah, is it they, the back-to-back? Is they, it just hopping in the plane and then... Yeah,
0: I don't think that... I shouldn't say they don't feel it. If it's a long back-to-back... Like a a tough back-to-back. And the other team is fresh. You'll see it on the ice. But are they, like, dragging their heels like I would now? I mean, I'm not 25 anymore, right? And these guys are in tip-top shape. And also, they know how to take care of themselves. So, like, part of their job is to make sure they get rest. They need to perform at to say a high level would be doing disservice to the level they are performing at. So that comes with it, right? If you're a professional athlete, if you're a major league athlete, your responsibility when you aren't playing a game is to take care of yourself. And a lot of that is making sure you get rest.
1: It's always different, the different eras. You know, you talk when mm-hmm. Chief was playing, right? Just different what, what they did to take care of their bodies. Yeah, or maybe that, did, that, was or a little, that
0: might have been a little different. <laughs> that might have been a different kind of... Stepping away from the <laughs> rink, right? I know. I know. <laughs> Less rest. I always,
1: I always found it interesting. I know they, they don't typically play during the week, but in the AHL partner, you know, have Friday, yeah. Saturday, Sunday.
0: And that's the thing. Like, the guys who have come to the NHL from the American Hockey League or even the ECHL, the ones that have made it up, like, that is more of a grind. That's three games and three nights with bus travel. Now you're flying on charter airplanes and, you know, you're not getting in at 430 in the morning. You're getting in at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Or depending on where you're playing. The Lightning have tougher travel than some of the teams in the East in that, you know, getting back home usually takes a little bit longer. But, you know, the team that I think has, if not the toughest, probably top three toughest travel in the NHL, the Lightning's opponent tonight. Vancouver has Vancouver. A, yeah. That is, that is hard travel. I mean, how often are they leaving the time zone, right? In the West, you leave the time zone a lot. But if you're in the Central time zone, you're not shifting. Like, if you're in the Central or you're in the Mountain, you're not shifting three hours either way. You know, Vancouver, most most of their road trips involve leaving the time zone.
1: Interesting. But that does play a role. I mean, I always felt like the Lightning had some tough travel, too, though. You know, just, you're in Florida, and, you know, East Coast, you're, it's not a a hop, skip, and a jump away. I understand it's a two-hour flight, typically, but, I mean, you're, you don't have those nice short trips sometimes. I don't don't know. I always feel like the Lightning.
0: We don't have a lot of short trips. I mean, we have the one to Sunrise that's under an hour, but the next closest is Carolina, and that's an hour and a half. You know, if you're playing in Philly or Washington or one of the New York-based teams, (sighs) You know, it's just it's just shorter travel. Here's an example, Greg. So we went from Detroit to Ottawa and then Ottawa to Buffalo. Right. I wanna say for sure Ottawa to Buffalo. And I wanna say the Detroit to Ottawa flight was less than an hour. And for sure it was it was like forty minutes from Ottawa to Buffalo. Now you've got, you know, crossing the border and (laughs) you know, we had to we had to go through customs back in Buffalo, although it was quick. The airport was empty. But, you just think about the difference there. Like, Ottawa to Buffalo is basically, in terms of airtime, the same as, as Tampa to Sunrise. And all the other teams, I mean, Buffalo isn't as close as some of these other teams, but, you know, Buffalo to Detroit is probably less than an hour. Buffalo to Boston might be an hour, maybe. Right. So, I mean, it does make a difference for, you know, Florida and the Lightning, have among the hardest travel in the East. Maybe the, those two teams have the hardest travel in the East. It's possible. But it's nothing compared to the teams in the West. No. You talk about, I mean, have you have you left the time zone ever? I yes. mean, you grew up in Pittsburgh. I mean, like, yes. leaving the time zone and then getting readjusted is yep. not nothing, right? Now, and when you're
1: p- younger, to me, when we did that for Pitt and Duquesne, when we traveled, yeah. It wasn't that I, I think when you're younger it's not that big of a deal. That
0: was my point for the players who are in for their twenties sure. or early thirties and, and you know, in incredible condition. Correct. But it's still it's still not easy, right? No, no. And Vancouver's no. on a five game road trip and they have to look, they have to come east yeah. and, and they are going a they long
1: do. way. They do. Yeah. You're right about that. So uh, it's just an observation. We were talking about the the body and resting. Speaking of resting and the body back potentially, I mean, good news. Yes. Steven Stamkos back. You and I were talking about it a little bit because it didn't seem
0: like it was going to be a long term thing. I'm glad that it did not turn out to be a long
1: term thing. And look, anytime he is potentially banged up, I think a lot of people are always going to. Hold their breath a little bit, just because sure. of the age and and some of the the tough luck he's had with injuries over his over the course of his career. But I mean, I feel like the last couple he's been he's been just very so durable. Good. Yeah, for you know, and, and that's great to see. And he's going to help in a lot of different ways. The power play maybe being the biggest one. You heard Nick Paul there as well, partner. And. I think he's somebody that can also make mm-hmm. an
0: impact. Thanks to Austin Wright, by the way. Nick did yes. not do a scrum. That was a one-on-one with our broadcast Beautiful. assistant.
1: Should we use that in he's the tonight? He he's is, smiling. He's smiling. He's like, glad oh, I gave mind. him a little
0: tip A little shout-out.
1: He gets a shout-out every he, contri-
0: he contributed to the show's open. And that, that sound may appear in... Yeah. In other in, programming through the day, let me put it that maybe
1: way. Maybe I'll even sneak it in the network
0: pregame. Yeah. Ooh. Well, it's funny. He was playing back the, the sound. We're in the studio here at Emily Arena, and Steve's here too. And Steve was like—
1: Million-dollar studio.
0: Yeah. Steve was like, Nick Paul sounds really good. And he said, wow, that was a one-on-one. So in the one-on-one, you know, you can put the microphone right in front of yes. the interviewee's mouth in the microphone. scrum— You're one of many. Yeah. Stamkos is used to doing the scrum interviews. Right.
1: It's always nice when you can get that one-on-one, and we appreciate awesome. But, I mean, Paul is another guy on the power play, in addition Mm -hmm. to five-on-five, that can help. And, look, we talked about the Lightning. There have been a lot of questions we've taken over the last couple of days, maybe even to start the season. Maybe even some of it happened in the the preseason when the Lightning from a perception perspective, maybe it was like, okay, they, they've lost so many regulars. Where are they going to get all of the scoring? Are they going to be a balanced team offensively? And I think one of the points I've tried to make, you're going to win in different ways every year. And look, for a decent amount of this big run the Lightning have been on, I think they've had some pretty good depth scoring. I think they've had the elite scoring. And I think, you know, the goaltending is, is probably been the best if not in the top three, of teams who have had elite goaltending over the last handful of years. Mm -hmm. I felt like last year was the maybe first year it stood out for me that it it became more of a a top-heavy team partner when you were kind of relying on the the high-end guys more than in previous years. Certainly, you know, the Yanni Gord line that we've all grown accustomed to to loving and and citing. And look, when you lose guys like Kalorn and Palat and even a Ross Colton to a lesser extent. Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson, for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. there are a lot of really good players, Blake Coleman and, and Gord. You know, I'm, I'm obviously citing those guys recently. It's natural for your team to take a little bit of a hit and to kind of, okay, it may take us a little bit to figure out who's going to be that next wave of depth scoring. And I think we looked at it this year as potentially, I think a guy like Nick Paul could even be better. I think a guy like Tanner Janot could even be better than what he was last year. And you're going to need a guy like Connor Sherry probably to come in and and potentially pick up some of that slack. So some of it, you know, we talk about Nick Paul and, and we heard the soundbite there. A big part of it is having your healthy, you know, top players ready to go and producing for sure. But that bottom six, third and fourth liners, and even on the special teams contributing in some capacity, you know, the Nick Pauls are, are going to be, are going to be vital, and a couple of the other players that I mentioned are going to be key into the Lightning, maybe addressing any type of scoring depth issues that a lot of people feel like maybe they'll have this year.
0: Well, let's look at last year's roster, because I think you're right. It was a little more top-heavy last year, and one of the things that we heard from Julian Brisebois when he did his press conference following the offseason signings in early July was... We wanted to get quicker in our bottom six. We wanted to be hard to play against in our bottom six. We wanted to have the bottom six defend really well. But essentially, we're going to be leaning on our top guys to do the heavy lifting offensively. And so I'm looking at last year's regular season stat totals with the Lightning. So the one guy that is no longer on the team who contributed – substantially, offensively, is Killorn. 27 goals he had last year and 64 points. Colton had 16 goals. Perry had 12. But I don't know that the bottom six, like that was kind of your point, the bottom six did not produce as much last year as the bottom six had produced previously. So I don't know that we're necessarily going to have a substantial drop-off this year and, and understand that sometimes a guy who we might look at as he's in the bottom six will get some games in the top six, right? And may score some goals. In the example that I used of Colton and Perry, they were on power play too. And they they got some they got some goals on the power play, even though they were quote unquote bottom six. So from that standpoint, you need two things. You need someone to replace Calorne's offense, twenty seven goals. And you need comparable seasons from the other top guys. And I'm just looking at goals here, Greg. Kucherov had 30. Stamkos had 34. Hagel had 30. And Point had 51. And then you're looking at, like, Nick Paul had 17. Sorelli had 11. and he missed the first two months. But I think that number could go
1: up. Yeah. I would agree on that. I mean, he's... He's somebody—I I failed to mention him. I mean, I, I feel like I do anyways when it comes to the depth scoring. I mean, he's somebody that I think has another gear. We keep kind of waiting. What is his ceiling? I, I mean, I keep thinking he's a legit 20-goal scorer in this league. Yeah. You know, and I I feel like that's attainable. You know, you get that from him. Nick Paul maybe has a little bit more of a consistent ear. Right. Tanner Janot. Yeah, there, know, are, there are
0: ways to replace Kalorn's 27— and those ways don't have to come it can be plural like it's not one guy necessarily
1: 100%. 100%. And the reality is that's life in the NHL today. You you just you're going to have recycling of talent, you need guys coming in. I mean, look at look at Brandon Hagel and what he was able to accomplish coming over. And you know that that trade looks better and better every year because of how that guy has really elevated his status not only for the lightning but i think around the league i think a lot of people look at hagel and say that's a hell of a player yeah and his speed's always going to give him an opportunity to to get scoring chances and who knows maybe him playing with sorelli on a regular basis would get Sorelli even more offensive opportunities. Well, we know that they are on the PK, right?
0: Yeah, and four goals for Brandon Hagel puts him among the league leaders. I know it's early, and, and the Lightning have played four games, and a lot of other teams have only played three. So Hagel's gotten an extra game. But he's definitely off to a good start, as is Victor Hedman. So the, the 2D last year, Sergachev had ten goals, Hedman had nine. And and then there was a bit of a drop-off. I mean, Perbix had five, but I think three came in, like, the first two weeks of his time up in the NHL. Chernick had two. Ian Cole, who's going to be playing against the Lightning tonight, signed with Vancouver. He had three. So, look, there are ways ways for the Lightning to offset the offense that left. And it doesn't have to come from the bottom six. But they can piecemeal it together, and maybe some of it can come from the defense as well. Where the actual defense is producing goals. And the other part, too, the Lightning don't necessarily have to score as many. I mean, if that's the case, then you want your goals against to go down, which is one of their goals this year anyway. But if Braden Point doesn't hit 50 goals or 51 goals this year and has a drop-off, that doesn't necessarily mean that the Lightning are not going to have a good offensive year.
1: No, no. Braden Point, though, can't have a 40-point year. Because 40 then point really gonna, no absolutely 40 not 40 point that's what i mean a 40 goal 40
0: year one. though for point would yeah i mean that's that minus 11 goals from last year but you right. know you'd take that certainly yeah. you'd take that and i don't think that that would have a negative effect on the lightning season for
1: sure i i think that's i think that's reasonable at bolts radio if you want to get involved in the conversation do you believe in that first game back from a long road trip even though it was three games is a tough one Well, they make that, that
0: yeah, so here's the thing. The Lightning should feel some urgency because they didn't have a good road trip. And while it is extremely early and we don't really talk about watching the standings, like they are aware that there are some teams in their division that have gotten off the good start, even if you're not kind of crunching the numbers. So I think the players are looking at this and, you know, Stamko's talked about this an hour ago or whatever. This is an opportunity. It's an opportunity. The Lightning have been a very good home team. That's not a guarantee of success on this homestand, but it's an opportunity for them to put some points in the bank. They have two high-end Eastern Conference opponents coming in, Toronto and Carolina, and they have three Western teams Two of those teams missed the playoffs last year, and the third team, Seattle, still doesn't have a win this year. Right. Now, look, Vancouver might be a lot better this year. They did sweep Edmonton at the start of the season. They lost to Philly in their third game. We'll see. San Jose does not look like a team that is going to make significant strides this year. No. At least early. But we'll, we'll find out. I mean... Uh, When you're looking at the box score and you're not actually watching the game, you can only learn so much. I learned a lot, and we talked about this. I learned a lot seeing Detroit play. By the way, they looked really good. That's what what I'm saying. So I watched them in that game against the Lightning, and then in subsequent shows, I was talking about the fact that it looks like they have added some offensive pop. And what has happened in the last two games since they played the Lightning? They've scored 10 goals.
1: Now, that was a 4-3 game last night, but you know what stood out?
0: Were the two goals empty netters? Yeah. They were empty netters. Okay. Yeah, so it was a 4-3 game. All
1: right. They were up 4 But they scored four. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, you'll take that. In today's NHL, I mean, I think good offensive teams, that's probably a good benchmark. You know what stood out to me when I was watching Detroit even more so? Pittsburgh likes to... Be considered a hard team to play against and a fast team. You can dispute if if you still think they are based off of what they were when they won cups. But Mike Sullivan's system is is typically go go go, play play in the other team's zone, four lines rolling, coming in waves. Right, uh, Detroit. I felt like I don't want to say outclass them at that game, but it was noticeable mm-hmm. how much fast, like how much quicker they were than Pittsburgh.
0: Well, was the four-check as effective against Pittsburgh as it was against the Lightning for it stretches? It was pretty good. I
1: mean, there were times where Pittsburgh was hemmed in. Yeah. And Jari had to be pretty good. Um, You know, it got a little tight for them when Pittsburgh started to push back. They took a bad penalty in the third, and I think they allowed Pittsburgh to dictate play. And we always talk about this. Another team eventually is going to push back in a mm-hmm. game. And Pittsburgh started to, especially in the third period. But I thought... I just thought Detroit's speed overall made them a really difficult team to defend. And it just wave after wave yeah, after wave. And, you know, that stood out. Look, when
0: you're, when you're skiing downhill or you're in the sailboat and you have a nice yeah. breeze pushing you along, like, it's fun to play. Nobody likes to defend. No. (laughs) I mean, it's nice to have momentum and have the puck a lot. And Detroit has been able to execute that.
1: Even the guys who are on a fourth or third line or maybe the the bottom pairing defense. I mean, you you like to you get the puck. I mean, you don't always want to just dump it in and go chase. I mean, if you can dangle with it a little bit or score some goals, get some points. I mean, I I think that's the name of the game. That's what makes sports fun. It it Mm. is the offense. Although, look, the defense can be flashy. And I think being a goaltender can be a lot of fun. Uh, As well at times, you know, when you're making some incredible saves, but they looked impressive and you can see why that's one of the teams where if they keep that style of play up and they get good goaltending and they they got pretty good goaltending last night, you can see them being a factor in the Eastern Conference. You know, obviously the question is, can they do that for an 82 game season and not have stretches where they really have a bad stretch that hurts their chances of getting in? But it'll be, it'll be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. By the way, Spencer Martin is playing for Vancouver? <laughs> I mean, I knew that. But, like, he played for the Lightning a little bit, didn't he? Wasn't he in their system?
0: Well, he was with Vancouver last year. But this year they have DeSmith and, jo- and um. Well,
1: that's right. De Demko. Smith. They have Casey DeSmith. That's right. Casey DeSmith. You had me on yeah.
0: Jar, Yeah. Thatcher Demko yeah. and Casey DeSmith.
1: And Casey DeSmith was replaced by Nadelkovic, basically, in Pittsburgh, which is interesting because we've seen that mm-hmm. goaltender tandem uh, a little bit. But, you know, you look at Vancouver's roster, they've always, for me, have been a little bit of an enigma because I think they've had some pretty good players.
0: Yeah, they are, are a... I mean? they are a um, often when teams struggle in the standings, they are missing the high-end players that are really hard to get. They're hard to find. Sometimes you have the first overall pick in the draft and you don't get. Yeah. A generational player. Certainly not. Every draft has a generational player at the top. Sometimes you don't even get a game breaker. Sometimes you just get the guy who happened to be the the best player available perceived by everyone. It's usually a consensus at the time of the draft. And even if, let's say, you're picking seventh, you know, there are some years where you get a game breaker with the seventh overall pick, and there are other years when either you swing and and foul it back, and the guy who went ninth is the game breaker, or it's just not a deep draft. Generally speaking, the teams that are really scuffling are missing enough of those types of players. And I'm kind of doing a broad stroke here. But Vancouver has not been one of those teams. They've had elite players offensively.
1: I mean, you look at their three top scorers. You could make a case. Every one of them would be in the top 30, top 40 of best players in the NHL. Maybe at the forward position. I mean, Patterson. I mean, you can make an argument. Uh, Besser. Uh, you know, it looks a bit really good goal scorer. Yeah. And JT Miller's been a really good player for quite a few years, but, you know, certainly in Vancouver. And
0: then add in Quinn
1: Hughes. Right. For sure.
0: I'm looking at their numbers last year because, I mean, this Andre Kuzmenko had 39 goals last year for them.
1: That's an incredible number that not a lot of people
0: yeah. remember. So even with all that, they only finished 13th in offense, But they did score more than three goals a game. (laughs) However, (laughs) there's always a however. Goals against was 3.61, which was eighth worst in the NHL. So it was a function of not keeping the puck out. And I think most people consider Demko to be like he's an NHL goalie. He's a number one NHL goalie. So I'm not certain that they just can't find a solution in net. I think they feel they have a solution in net. It's just a matter of getting them to play better. And maybe Rick Tockett can can thread the needle there to, to let their game breakers continue to produce. It's kind of like what we were talking about with Buffalo, right? Like their right. game breakers need to be able to continue to produce and make life difficult for the other team while at the same time not be put in a situation where you have to score four to five goals a game to win.
1: You know, and maybe their back end collectively isn't what you want it to be. Although, you know, Tyler Myers certainly can provide a a big body Mm -hmm. on the back end. And look, they have Ian Cole. You know, you talk about a veteran guy who can, we know what he did in Pittsburgh. We know what he did in Tampa. But maybe that's where, there are a lot of people who think Demko's a legit, like, elite goalie. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he's going to have to play at that level for them to overcome whatever deficiencies many people think they do have.
0: Well, here are their D. So they added Cole, who is certainly a veteran, NHL defenseman, very steady. He had a good year for the Lightning last year.
1: Would you say though he is a bottom pairing defenseman? Well, at with this the Lightning point? he
0: was, with Vancouver he's averaging almost twenty three minutes a
1: game. I think that's through three three games. And and it may
0: it may come down. <laughs> The guy who has played the most is Quinn Hughes, 24-23, but right behind him at 24-22 is Haronic, who's a guy I like. I like Haronic. I was a little surprised the Red Wings traded him. They got some picks in return. I think the Canucks got themselves a very good player. There must have been something behind why they moved, they being the Red Wings, moved Haronic who was a draft pick of theirs and, and played regularly for them, played a lot, and last year was playing well. He was a plus player with Detroit at the time of the trade. Not everyone on that team was a plus player. So they have those three, Cole, Hughes, Heronik, Myers, guy you mentioned. Noah Juleson has played every game this year, not a lot. He's a little over 12 minutes. He was a former first-round pick of Montreal, but has not really established himself as like a legit NHLer, And then he must have missed the first two games due to injury. This was a sneaky addition. Carson Soucy, it's a pretty good player. He was in Seattle. They got him from Minnesota in the expansion draft. He was part of their top six last year. I didn't actually realize until I looked at their roster that he was now on Vancouver. So, look, it's probably a little more offensive than defensive. Cole is a stay-at-home. I remember in Minnesota, like, Susie has some offensive tendencies. Certainly Hughes does, as does Hironic. So <laughs> we'll see, like, when they go out on penalty kill or, you know, they're up, they're up a goal with a minute to go and the other team has pulled the goalie, like, who, who's going to grind out a win for them? Is it going to be Cole? Who's on the right side? They'll figure that out. Another guy they added was Sam Lafferty. Remember, he played against the Lightning for the
1: Leafs. Like Sam Lafferty has just. In the playoffs last year. You know, he was one of those fringe players in Pittsburgh who had a lot of speed, was on a fourth line, but never was able to really capitalize on his chances offensively. Mm Mm-hmm. But he can be physical, and he can fly.
0: Yeah. He was sought after at the deadline last year. He had had, for a bad team, Chicago, a pretty good year. How many goals? And the Leafs hit? went out and got him. What did he hit?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's. I, I think he's carved out a niche for himself.
0: Yeah, I'm looking him up NHL. last year. So last year with the Hawks, he had 10 goals, four shorthanded yeah. in 51 games. The and speed. then when he went to Toronto, he had two goals in 19 games.
1: Okay, so he had 12 goals. You know, for Sam Lafferty, that's a big deal. Yeah. And a lot of that, I'm sure, was speed-related. He can fly. Yeah. I get that at Bolts. Good radio.
0: penalty killer. I mean, as yeah, evidenced sure. by the shorthanded goal total. Yeah, yeah.
1: You get a lot of guys. Honestly, this is what we talked about yesterday on the show. You get guys who come up, and maybe they play a certain way at the AHL level. They come up to the NHL, and they get cast a certain way, and then they have to adjust. There are a lot of players like Sam Lafferty who have come up, maybe have gotten a cup of coffee, and then sent back down because they weren't able to adjust. Mm-hmm. Sam Lafferty was in that In that situation for Pittsburgh for a long time. And then finally, I don't know if he figured out, this is how I have to play to stay in the league. And now he's been able to find work pretty consistently. And um, you know who else did that? He was more experienced, but kind of went through a tough time staying in the NHL, was Luke Shen. Yeah. I mean, has there been another player that has basically rejuvenated his career? over the last few years, more so than Luke Shen. I did not realize
0: Luke Shen got injured on opening night. He's out four to six
1: weeks. I didn't know that either. It happened in the game against the Lightning. Yeah. Nikita Kucherov says, I think we half expected a slow start, just not in this way. Where do you see the biggest issues and how the heck do we fix it? Thanks, guys. It has not
0: been the same problem every game. I would say over the weekend. So the common denominator, Nick Ita, is that the Lightning have made some costly mistakes. Many of those mistakes have been self-inflicted, and they have really hurt them with goals and pucks going in their net and goals against as a result of that. The Detroit game was the sloppiest game of the four in the game in which they yielded the most scoring chances. But but if we're just looking at the three on the road, the other two games, they did not give up as many chances as they did in the Detroit game. So it's not like it was a carbon copy of the Detroit game in Ottawa and in Buffalo in terms of the number of scoring chances and the number of high-danger scoring chances. The common denominator was that in all three games, some of the mistakes the Lightning made ended up in their net and and hurt them severely. I felt that the Buffalo game was the game in which they brought their work boots the most noticeably. And sometimes, you know, you're working hard and it's just not happening. Like, it's not yielding anything. The Buffalo game did yield some opportunities for the Lightning, and Coop talked about that this morning. He said, you know, we'd get 160 feet doing great work, and then we couldn't get the last 40 feet. I mean, he's kind of making a football analogy there of going into the end zone with a 200-foot-long rink. I think his point was that we did a lot of hard work to put ourselves in a position we just couldn't finish. I also think the Sabres had something to do with that because they were committed defensively, so it's not like the Lightning had open-look tap-ins that they just missed. But that is going to have to be a baseline. It's hard to keep that a baseline, but that that level of compete that work ethic is going to need to remain high because and this is how i'd answer the question nick i think the lightning have not really gotten in rhythm yet and some of that has to do with the new guys i mean we talked about this on earlier shows some of it has to do with the fact that for for the last two games they had neither mott nor Stampkos. mott's still out but stamp is coming back tonight but To say that wasn't a factor for a team that is coming out of the gates and trying to integrate some new players, I don't think is doing justice to analyzing the situation. So I think that they are not really in sync yet as a group. The four lines, and I know Coop mixes them up a lot, but even still, the four lines, one of the reasons why we've seen so much juggling, they're not really in sync yet. Even the 3D pair, You know, Tonight, DeHaan is coming back in for Bogosian, but again, Purvix is paired with DeHaan, Chernak's with Hedman. Some moving parts. I don't know if that is really the biggest quote-unquote problem, but you would figure that that would start to sort itself out as they get into the flow of the regular
1: season and more reps. And I feel like when the Lightning struggle in general, it's puck possession. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, puck control, making good decisions. I mean, you could say that for every team in the NHL, Nick, but I, I think when the Lightning sometimes struggle, it's, it's turnovers in their own zone. Chief will often say, you know, maybe backing up defensively a little too much. That might be the case too. But I think when the Lightning aren't possessing the puck, that's, that's a big problem. And I think a lot of teams um, are dictating play, you're not thinking so much about defending and 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 what you're doing because you're you're controlling the flow of the game, and I think sometimes I, I think for all teams, in addition to the lightning, especially when you when you want to play with the puck and you play that speed game when you don't have it, I think sometimes you get a little a little discombobulated and a little helter skelter mm-hmm. particularly in your own zone and I think that's we've seen that happen at least I have you know a little bit to start this year but um I think this is where coming home can help the Lightning refocus a little bit, recharge, and uh, go against the Vancouver team who, while solid up front, I don't think they should have a ton of problems generating scoring chances tonight.
0: Well, they didn't last year. They won both the games against the Canucks last year. But remember, the Canucks made a push in both games last year. Do you remember the game in Tampa? Vasilevsky had to make a save like with a second to go on Connor Garland right at the side of the net. He doesn't make that save. They're going to overtime. The game in Vancouver, the two games were played very close to one another. And I, yeah. I want to say the game here was first, and the Lightning went on a road trip. And it was in Vancouver that Stamp Ghost got his 500th goal. Remember, it was early in the game on that tap in. And the Lightning had a lead, but the Canucks ended up making a push. I think it was four nothing Lightning going into the third, and the Canucks made it four to two. Yeah. They ended up winning five two. The game in Tampa was a one goal game, but the Lightning had a multi goal lead and the Canucks right. made a push lead. So look, this is a team that can fill the net. Yeah. So the Lightning did play, I felt, a better defensive game against the Sabres than in the earlier two games on the trip. Wasn't perfect, and they made two pretty big mistakes that hurt them, like I talked about. But they're going to need to make sure they're crossing their T's and dotting their eyes defensively tonight, just like Vancouver is saying that they need to do that as well.
1: At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, can I just
0: mention, Greg? They ran the lines this morning. Barry Belay is starting this game with Point and Kucherov. So
1: George, you showed enough. Had that question, okay? He, go uh, for he it. Said, with it appearing that Stamkos is back in the lineup, how does that factor for ABB? So, line shuffling
0: tonight. I mean, the, the ABB point Kucherov line finished the game in Buffalo. Stamkos comes in with Hagel and Sorelli. Austin Watson is not in the lineup. But you've got a Glenn Denning line with AC Mott and Sherry. And then you got Paul, Janot, and Merrill. That's how they ran them this morning. And then I mentioned Chernak, Hedman, and Purbix, Dahan are together, and then Radish and Sergachev.
1: Do you think that Chernak, Hedman is to get Chernak going? Because we talk so much about Perbix and, you know, who we can play with, who we can. I, I, I'm curious about that scenario. I also like the line of Stamkos and who he's with. Mm-hmm. Because you're playing with some serious speed there, I think.
0: Yeah. And the Glendenning line, which I think it was in the Ottawa game, it, it it felt to me that they were not as quick. Now you've got speed on that line. You got AC Mon and Sherry, and you've got more of a grinded out line with Paul Janot and Merola. See how they do? I like that's, I said yesterday. I mean, they're in they're, they're in the chemistry lab. You know, they're experimenting and seeing what works. And sometimes you need to do that.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I I do think it, it'll be interesting because I think Stamkos playing with some, I mean, you have the grit and you have the skill and you've got speed. I think that's going to help him. And he was centering yeah. that line. Sorelli was, I mean, was centering. I mean, they ran the line rushes. They ran, but, right. Okay. I, I actually kind of like that a lot. Um, we'll see how impactful it is. And we know about line changes. It's hard to get into line changes and <laughs> get real excited about where things are because they can't right. change so much from game to game. But, you know, I think that'll be something that we kind of uh, keep our eye on moving forward. At Pulse radio Radio, uh, if you want to get involved in the conversation, what do you make of those line combinations? For sure, tonight against Vancouver. And ABB getting a little bit of a look uh, you know, good for him. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to make of what a week and a half he's had, right? Yeah. Going from I mean,
0: being put on waivers to playing with point and cooch.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that's an opportunity there for him. Now look, we talk about opportunities, and for ABB, I don't know what that future is for Tampa Bay. I don't know what his future is in the NHL. I think what everybody agrees on. Is that it's something that if he's going to make it in this league, he's going to be somebody who is going to be playing in a top six role. I think that's something we all can debate, but maybe that's his best chance of securing a spot, not only with lighting, but maybe somebody else. And I don't know how long this is going to last, but you got to make the most of it, right? Mm -hmm. It's not that there's a lot of pressure, but this should be one of those things where you want this opportunity. Yeah, he should be embracing
0: this opportunity, and I'm sure he is. And putting Sherry on the fourth line, because we talked about him a bit yesterday, you know, like, trying to get him going. Skate, right? Skate yeah. and defend. And maybe your offense will will be born from your defense. Stuff always seems to happen when AC Mod is out on the ice, doesn't it? Like, he's around the puck, he's squeezing free in the offensive zone. Yeah. He's getting
1: pucks to the net. Let's see how that line does tonight. Agreed. And strategic pickup last year for the Lightning with AC Mm Mons. And I think he does fit a a role on on a fourth line, ideally. But I think his speed and tenacity is somebody where if you did move him up and down the lineup partner, I'm not sure his style of play will change. And it can add value. Mm-hmm. might not be for a long term if, like, you put him on a third line or even if you mix things up on a second line and say, go play your game and, and this is what we need from you. I, I don't know if, if that could last because I think you're expected to have a, a bit more offensive punch when you're in those roles. But I think for a few games he could do that. And he, he can do that because yeah. of his speed and his tenacity. And I think that would that would certainly help a, a lot moving forward. Um so we'll see if, if that continues to, to play out. Uh, at Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, keep those questions and comments coming in. Uh, this one comes from Dan. He wants to know, uh, is Watson, when everybody's healthy, you think more of the spare part, the spare forward for this team?
0: Well, at this point,
1: yes. Yeah. You never know with injuries, though,
0: how – long they may last or when new ones arise short answer yes
1: i think watson has um a really detailed description of what he's going to do for this lightning team you know is he somebody that's going to be in the lineup every single night no based off of what we've seen and maybe the expectations but i think depending on the opponent or maybe john cooper wanting to switch things up or potentially create some momentum, a guy like Watson, we kind of saw it in the Buffalo game, you know, when you drop the gloves and we saw that in the preseason too. I I do think he's the type of guy you like playing with because you know, he's somebody that immediately will have your back. If things get a little out of control and there's nothing wrong with that. No. Having a guy like that on your team, Uh, keep hitting us on Twitter at Bolts Radio as the Lightning gets set to take on the Canucks. You know, one of the questions we, we often get, too, is like, does the, does the intensity change when you're playing a team from the West compared to what you're seeing in the East? I don't, I don't know. I, I've never played an NHL game partner, so I, I couldn't get into their mindset. I've got to think you're playing in the NHL. You're going to be motivated to have a, a great game and can build up some pretty nasty hatred for a team in the west just as much as in the east. I understand that a lot of times when you take a look at the east, it's a little different because of division and and certain things like that, but um you know, a game like this tonight could get could get nasty in, in some capacity and depending on how it plays out, but I don't know if a team has a letdown per se depending on the opponent, but We've seen Arizona over the years, and we've talked about that like as a, as a scheduled loss. You know, Maybe you don't get up for a game like that midway in the season because you don't see them a lot. They're not very good, and it's the last game of a seven-game road trip, so you can understand that a little right. bit more. But I don't think that's going to change. I don't think you're going to have that dud early on against a team like Vancouver. But that's well, a guess. Yeah, so th- the question I think that, that you're
0: kind of asking is when you're not as familiar with the opponent, what does that mean? What are you going to get? Do you get up for the game? You'd like to think that they get up for every game. I think early in the year, though, there's a little bit of unfamiliarity with every opponent, even an opponent that in past years you've known well, because it's a new season. You haven't seen these players for six months, right? <laughs> Many of them. So Normally, yes. Like if you have a steady diet of Eastern Conference opponents and then you're into like the third week of December and you go out west, which the Lightning, I believe, have that trip this year. They're heading to Western Canada in December. And you haven't seen Calgary. Then, yeah, it is a little bit different. At the start of the year, though, you're... You're getting reacclimated to playing basically three, four times a week, seeing an opponent on the other side of the ice. Whereas in the preseason, you know, a lot of times you're you're not seeing the full roster and, and the intensity of the games isn't quite as high. But I'm not sure that that applies as much like the difference between the West and the East doesn't apply as much early in the season. And we're going to find out because the Lightning have three Western teams coming in. Nashville was different because the Lightning had seen Nashville in the preseason and many of the regulars of Nashville in the preseason. This one is a little bit different. I-, I think you're right, though. Sometimes you're like, well, these two teams don't know each other very well. They don't play a lot. So why did we have, you know, 150 minutes in penalties? <laughs> and sometimes just a game takes on life of its own. It doesn't take much. Emotions can run high. And you have one incident, and then you have a second incident, and the penalty minutes start to pile up. I don't know if that's going to happen.
1: They tonight. do. Yeah, I don't know either.
0: But but on the other side of this, yeah. so it's not like the Vancouver Canucks are coming in with, with 20 players that the Lightning players have never seen before, except for new guys like Merilla, right? Yeah. <laughs> Right. I mean, the Lightning players know Besser. They know Pedersen. They know Quinn Hughes. Certainly the ones that played with J.T. Miller know him really well. I think it's more that when you're into the middle of the season and maybe you haven't seen these opponents going back to the previous year for 12 months or longer, that's where it comes into play.
1: And sometimes you have that feeling out process a little bit. John says, anything standing out for you guys across the league? to start the year.
0: Well, a few people have commented to me about Detroit and Ottawa, yeah. probably because they won both last night. What about Washington? I mean, a my surprise, goodness. Though? Well, they eked out a shootout win yeah. against Calgary, but they got badly outshot. We actually saw the Calgary broadcasters because right. Calgary's playing in Buffalo tonight, so they, they were at the game when the Lightning were playing Buffalo, so... Dave Randorf, Brian Engblom, and I were chatting with Rick Ball, right. their television announcer, and he was shaking his head and he said, "Washington just had nothing going, including Ovechkin."
1: Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't going. know if that's a surprise, I, right? I well, mean, this is a team that's been so at the top for a while.
0: I understand that, Greg, but now Pittsburgh made some additions. You know, they brought in Eric Carlson, they brought in Riley Smith. All that is true, but it doesn't look like Pittsburgh is where Washington is, and both teams fairly narrowly missed the playoffs last year. It looks like the Caps are having a precipitous drop-off this year. So Uh, Ottawa beat them last night 6-1. How much of that is Ottawa is rolling? Josh Norris was back in the lineup and scored two goals, so a triumphant return for him. But how much of it was the opponent is just a little adrift at sea right now, at least early in the year,
1: unknown. I think both Pittsburgh and Washington – you could make a very strong argument aren't playoff teams. I think Pittsburgh maybe has done a better job of trying to hang on to what they had by making moves that maybe benefits them more than Washington. I mean, you're right about you know points last year that both very, very... I mean, look, Pittsburgh beat Chicago, right? In the last game of the year, they're probably in. So I, I understand that. But I don't think people look at Pittsburgh, and maybe this is the better way to say it, partner, and Washington and say those are elite teams. And you're definitely not having that conversation in Washington. No. there's enough At least in power. their first
0: handful of games. Right. Yeah. They do Correct. have a win, but it was a bit of a goalie win. I guess Kemper is yeah. playing well for them. Right. But Pittsburgh and laid the hammer down, and Ottawa really laid the hammer down on them. Yeah.
1: So I think Washington has a steeper hill to climb to get back to – I don't want to say the days of yesteryear, partner, but back in that top eight, I think some people will tolerate the conversation of Pittsburgh, maybe being a playoff team, but I think both teams certainly have their deficiencies, which is why, again, we've talked about this, the Buffaloes, the Ottawas, and the Detroits, they probably feel like this, that there's an opening there. Yeah. There's an opening. And... Tampa Bay's not in, in that same mode as no, but, Washington. But, but if the Metro
0: dips, yeah. we could see five teams from the Atlantic get in.
1: We could. Yeah. We really could. And we'll see if uh we'll see who benefits from that. If if that makes sense. So, you know, we'll we'll kind of keep things close to the vest here, but we'll monitor the uh Around the league when it comes to teams, I, I do think it's it's still early to give you that heavy evaluation of of where teams are. But you're right. I mean, I, I think it, Washington, it it sticks out, you know, a little bit. And, uh, you know, Nashville probably hasn't gotten off to the start. They wanted San Jose. You mentioned the expectations, I think, are pretty not high. I mean, are they panicking in Edmonton because they're one and two? Well, they
0: hammered Nashville, Maybe. so they're feeling good about their last game, Yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah. We were expecting Edmonton to unload on Vancouver after getting blown right. out and it was it was I mean they tried. They outshot them, I think more than two to one, but lost right. four three. They unloaded on Nashville. They did. In the next game.
1: All right. Well, that's gonna wrap it up for us, but I, I'm excited to see Stammer back. I think that'll be a good boost yep. to the lineup and I think the Lightning are just back, glad to be back on home ice.
0: And programming yeah. note beyond yep. tonight. Tomorrow I have a commitment, so you are so having a different is, partner. I don't know if it's Steve on. or Eric. Who it's knows? Eric. Okay, Eric filled in for me that one time, doubly e? where Steve and I had the uh, the all staff for the Lightning. This is this is a separate, separate something commitment. Else. But yeah, it's the middle of the day, and I just cannot, I cannot, I cannot, cannot get, get out. out of it. Yeah, and as much I as the that. people around me would probably love to hear me and you chat Lightning hockey. It's just not possible. Well. It's just not possible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not so, possible. look, by the time I we have another it. show, it'll be Monday, and the Lightning yes. will play the Leafs. But I remember That'll games. Be fun. So, I mean, we can touch on no, the Vancouver do. game on Monday no, if you need do. be. You
1: do. Yeah, For sure. We'll have a lot to talk about. Partner, great job this week, and I'm going to see you at the rink here in a few hours. See you at the rink. He's Dave Mishkin. Thanks to Steve Versnick. Thanks to Austin Wright. How about that? Got another mention. How about him? Making him famous. Love it. I am Greg Linalli. We will be with you again tomorrow, noon to 1. But don't forget, tonight, pregame will start at 6.30. Puck drops a little after 7. We will have the game call for you, Tampa Bay and Vancouver. And you listen to it all right here on Lightning Radio.